everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. Um, we're here to talk about episode 413. I'm here with Vince Gilligan. Hello. Uh, Melissa Bernstein. Hello. Bill Pulaski. Hello. Uh, Tom Schnauz. I'm not sure why I'm here, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Skip McDonald. Hello. And Andrew Ortner. Hey there. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for coming in today. Talk about the final finale episode of season four. Yeah. So now y'all know. So we'd say what Andrew and Bill and uh, Skip, obviously, is our other wonderful editor. Skip is our to... other editor. Uh, Bill Pulaski is our visual effects supervisor. Um, Tom Schnauz is a writer on the show, although you didn't write this one. I this one was written one. by Vince Gilligan, right? Yes. yes. And Andrew Ortner is our associate producer who works in post. That is correct. Cool. Okay, so Vince, I'm going to let you go ahead and take point on this because, you know, we've been working up to this all season long, and boy, has it been a ride, and there's so many great things to talk about. What would you like to talk about first? Oh, man, where to begin? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. Okay, I'll I'll bring up the first thing. (laughs) So you decided to kill Gus. Oh, what? I didn't see the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a ruiner for the top. This is the ding-boom moment that we've been talking about since since season three. Yes, I think we call it ding boom. We had a card up. We have the, uh, we have a we have a master board that has uh, cards for ideas that we, we we plan to get to throughout the season. We had a card up. <laughs> ding boom! Oh, look at that! Yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? Uh, ding, ding, boom. What do you think it means? I now mean, that you've you seen know. the episode. <laughs> but I mean, ding? Oh, what is Oh, I get it. Okay, dumb. Just, all right, missed it. So that's all. Watching, the plan for watching Harry's <laughs> Law. Uh, <laughs> that's the title right there, by the way. What? Ding, ding, boom. Ding, boom. <laughs> You know what? Um, it will give it away. I think it. It will. I think it would. I think it would. Because I, it gets honestly, published on like IMDb yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And we got really smart fans. Uh, and I'm not just blowing smoke up their butts just because they're watching, they're listening to this. But in a, I think uh, they would figure it out if we had named it Ding Boom. Bing Doom. Bing Doom. That's it. Bing Crosby comes back from the dead <laughs> and kills, lays waste. No, but you know what? J- tell me, tell me uh, uh, how you guys, you know, because Vince, you were telling me that. That pitching this idea, it came to you in about the, what, you said the middle of the season, and you had to pitch it basically to your writing staff. Is that correct? Is that right? Uh, this is, I'm glad you are here, Tom, because you represent. Yeah, Ding Boom was back in season three. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was definitely it was definitely Vince who who imagined Tio hitting this bell and and setting off a bomb. We had that back in that idea back in oh, season yeah. three. Did Ding we? Boom is, yeah. How come we didn't get to it in season three? I can't even remember now. I don't know why. Because <laughs> you didn't want to kill Gus. Yeah, we didn't want to lose. Oh Gus yeah, right yeah, away. right, 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 yeah. Um, we wanted Gus back for another season. But we yeah. thought back that fuck. Jesus, see, I'm glad you're here because I, I, <clears throat> I swear to God, it's all a blur. That to me. card was on the board, season three. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm impressed, man. Okay. I'm impressed with us. <laughs> I don't know how Way we to ever go, expected team. to ever get there, but then all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, we could do ding boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I wasn't really saying about how Gus was going to die, but I think what you and I were talking about or what you were explaining to me a couple of weeks ago was about how Walt was going to accomplish this thing that he accomplished because basically you had it start in episode 12 when we couldn't talk about it in episode 12's podcast. Yeah. But now since... Episode 13 is aired. Yeah, we can yeah. talk about the whole thing and how complicated it was. And basically, Walt had the you know the mate in 20 kind of move, but yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. realize it. So right, right. Um, I remember you telling me that you had to basically pitch this ending to the writers. And at first, they didn't really. Um, this is just the way I understood it. They didn't really understand what you were what you were pitching. Uh, I think everyone understood, but but okay. it took a while to get folks' minds around. Not not Gus dying, but rather what the very last shot of this particular episode yes. uh, uh, indicates regarding what well, ha- what happened to the little boy Brock and right. why exactly was he in the hospital and it wasn't rice and poisoning it was something uh, it was indeed a poison called you know it was in the lily of the valley and Walt's got it in his backyard and what is that about and I think I think the issue you're talking about is not Gus's death but but how Walt wound up back in Jesse's good graces, which yes. which came about uh, two thirds of the way through uh, last week's episode. Right. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about 
Yeah, I guess. Pitching that and how you came up with that idea. and Well, you know, we always said, I mean, Walt, this, this show is about Mr. Chips turning in a Scarface, about, about our good guy hero in the first episode, episode by episode, turning darker and nastier and meaner and more immoral and, and getting to be more and more and more of a bad guy, more of an antagonist. And Walt has been on that path since day one. And um, I don't know. It looks it looks pretty. It looks there's a. It looks pretty much like he had a hand in poisoning that little boy. <laughs> I mean, if that's what that last shot is uh, right. is meant to indicate. But the interesting thing too that um, that I'm sort of I guess I'm sort of getting at is how uh, Walt. God, it's so complicated. It's complex. It's Walt has thought of this idea. And he's, you know, basically uh, sort of pinned it, pinned the poisoning on Gus, but yet Jesse doesn't. Jesse thinks Gus did it, but Walt has possibly really done it, and he's using now. He's using Jesse. Yeah. He's using Jesse as a pawn to get all of this stuff done. Is that not? Yeah, I mean that's you know it. it the question if 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 uh, if one. Uh, draws a conclusion from that last scene which it would be a fair conclusion to draw <laughs> that, that, that Walt indeed was the one who poisoned this poor little boy, Brock uh, then the question is why would he do such a thing? Exactly. I don't know one interpretation <laughs> no I do know but I mean I'm, I'm trying to be coy I'm trying to be coy about it I mean it, you know and, and back me up here Tom uh, it's keep in mind coming in episode 12 Jesse would not speak to Walt right would not talk to him. Right. Would not. Walt couldn't get him on the phone. Walt couldn't. If Walt knocked on his door, Jesse would shove him. Gus succeeded in what he thought would never happen, which is taking Jesse's loyalty away from Walt. I mean, these guys were been locked together. Have been locked together for, you know, seasons now. Yeah. You know, going through, you know, almost dying together and killing together, and 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 then your Gus manages to take that all away. From Walt, so he needed to do. He thought sitting there in his backyard, spinning the gun, he needed a radical idea. How is he going to survive? And he needed, he needed his partner back. He needed his partner back. He cannot survive without his partner Jesse. And he takes a huge gamble, in, you know, Jesse might come in there and blow his head off, yeah. off and not give him that chance to to flip it around and say, wait a minute, Gus did this. He, Walt pins this all on Gus. Gus is the master manipulator. Yeah. And I'm just a you know I'm a victim I'm I'm 20 steps behind. Meanwhile, he's way ahead of the game at this point. Why yeah. would I poison a child? Yeah, it Jesse, makes is no what he sense. says last week. It, it makes, makes no, no sense, sense, but it ultimately makes perfect sense. It, it's we brilliant. Hope. We I to me yes, I mean it's brilliant on Walt's part because what's worst case scenario? Jesse comes in and shoots him in the head. He's gonna die, he's anyway. gonna die anyway. He's got you know there's the old expression. He's got nothing to lose. Everyone's heard that everywhere. It, it, he really has nothing to lose. He is a dead man, mm -hmm. Walt is. In episode 12, I'm talking. And worst case scenario is Jesse walks in and, and doesn't listen to his protestations and just shoots him. He's dead anyway. He might as well be killed by Jesse rather than Gus having the satisfaction of doing it himself. That's worst case scenario. Best case scenario is Jesse comes in and, and Walt and, and Jesse comes in with a full head of steam saying, you were the only one who knew about the ricin in the cigarette. You and I, you other than me, we were the two people on earth who knew about the ricin in the cigarette. You poisoned this kid just to, uh, just to, just to stick it to me because you know I'm working with Gus. Before I'm dead and gone, you, you stick it to me. Why would I do that, Jesse? But to get back at me, to, get, to stick it to me, how could I have gotten it? I... You, you you had you had Saul somehow. You had Huel, the, the security guard at Saul's place, get it off of me. Why would I do that? It makes no sense. Well, it got us talking for one thing. <laughs> you know, it got, it got us. Part, of, part of what is brilliant about Walt's plan, too, is that he knows Jesse is not going to come in there and just blast him away because he had, after what happened with Gail, I think he knows it is a... Devast you know, it is hard to pull the trigger on somebody, and Jesse has already lived through it, and it's torn him apart all season long. So I think he knows that he's got a he's got a little there's a window there when Jesse comes in, he sets his gun down, and he knows Jesse's going to pick it up. Yeah, and I think he knows I've got to, you know there's going to be an opportunity here for me to play this kid, 
He puts the gun. This is how fiendishly clever I think this man is. He puts the gun within Jesse's reach. Jesse walks in, you know, and and he's got to bring this thing. If it's going to work at all, if the plan is going to work at all, and he may die trying, that's the calculated risk he's taking. Je- Walt here, and, and I'm, I'm going back to episode 12, but obviously we couldn't say this in last week's podcast. Right. But the calculated risk he's he's taking here is you know, I got to lay it all out on the line here. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to rebond my partner to me. He's got to see the error of his thinking here. He's got to, he's got to point a gun at me, threaten my life, and I got to, I got to say to him what is actually a very excellent argument. Why on earth? Why Jesse? Why would I poison a child? And look who has used children and before. Look, and look who has used and children. Look who this benefits. Look what it's doing. Who does this benefit? He wants you, you to want pull to kill the trigger. Me. And then in that in the in the in the aftermath of that, who looks like the biggest, most evil genius in the history of the world? Walt. No, well, no, but that's the reality. Oh, okay. And yes, and I, yes, I agree with you. But but in the aftermath of Jesse, why would I do this? Right. Who stands to benefit? Mm-hmm. Who is okay with using children? Who has cameras on us all times? You know, well, he didn't know about the ricin. Well, who says he didn't? He's got a camera on us 24 hours a day. You're telling me that Tyrus can't sneak into your locker and he, steal the... He comes up with a plan so bizarre and complicated that only somebody as brilliant as Gus could have come up with this. Yes. So it like As brilliant and evil as Gus. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That Gus is the only one who could pull this off. And yet it was him. Yeah. So, so uh, Spassky beats Fisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... I mean, you keep talking about Gus's brilliance. This came from you, Vince. This is your brilliance. That's why I'm just curious how this all went down. Well, it was down. a group how effort did, with the okay. right, all of us. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, writers, it yeah. absolutely is brilliant, and I'm just curious how it all, and when it all came, when when you guys. We were talking about it for months. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I, I, I forget when we come up with what, but I know this one, we bandied this about for it was start, talk, starting around episode. It was talked about for a long time, but the actual specifics, I mean, I think came when we were breaking 413. I mean, you're look at, looking at some of those cards there. <laughs> yeah. Reminded that. Because yeah. I, was, I mean, we, we didn't knew. have all the details early on, but we figured it out for the, I mean. And we knew, and we and we knew of, uh, when did T.O. first make his, uh, episode 8? Uh, we knew uh, going into episode 8 that we wanted T.O. We had to weave T.O. back into the we, yeah. season 4. So, early enough so that it didn't seem like a sudden surprise exactly in, in 413 that oh now yeah. Gus needs to go to Tio no it's it's part of a yeah you know we're trying to play a very deep game a very long game here right. we're trying to play and 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 uh and I uh, think you succeeded well thank you I I uh but going back to episode eight we wanted we wanted everyone has a chink in their armor everyone has a there's a loose uh, there's a there's a weak link in every chain and and Gus as smart as he is has one weakness and that is his extreme hatred for for Hector Salamanca Tio who is is the person who shot his his best friend his maybe more than best friend in in the head way back when 20 years ago and that's his that's his uh, and that happens in this episode Tyrus says maybe I should do this you know in the, uh, going into the third act here right. uh, in this episode Tyrus says maybe I should do this right and and Gus says I do this right in other words I'm going to kill TO mm-hmm. or no one is I'm the one who 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 ends this person's life because I hate him so much right. and I've been waiting for this day for a long time and the only reason I didn't do it before now is because I, I'd rather him suffer at my hands for as long as he possibly can but I wasn't able to make him suffer until the two insane, scary cousins were both dead. That's why. That's why the flashback to uh, to three oh eight and four oh eight. You know, I, I I didn't have the uh, I didn't I didn't have the ability to torture this old bastard until these two uh, lunatic uh, uh, Terminator cousins were both dead. You know, and and Tuco before that. Wow. You know. Well, it's just, I think that what you guys have done is just incredibly brilliant. And I mean, it's so funny because, I mean, not funny, funny, but it started in in 412. And I've, when I talked to Brian a a couple of weeks ago, I was like telling him how amazing I just thought it was that scene in 412 when, you know, the scene that you wrote, Tom, the scene where Walt 
is explaining all that stuff to Jesse. You know, why would I do this? How could I do this? And Brian is actually having to play a guy who does know all of this. I mean, he's having to play a guy who is trying to convince Jesse on one hand, but knowing that all of this is, you know, a ruse. This is all, you know, bullcrap. He's a perfect liar. I mean, he's (laughs) he's just grown into, I mean, he's working on so many levels now that it's scary. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, even last week with the podcast last week, we could not talk, we could talk about the scene and talk about it on one level, but just the complexity of it on now that we know what actually happened on this level yeah yeah. um the interesting too i i I know i brought up earlier that now you've you've killed gus and you killed tyrus but mike is still left mike's still uh, (laughs) mike's still recuperating down in mexico Mexico, which is kind of interesting seeing as how you know now everybody knows we have a fifth and final season i think that was a line i actually pitched a line and it didn't get in the script for 413 but when uh, jesse and Walter debriefing at the end. I, I had wanted Jeffy, uh, Jesse to say, Mike's going to be pissed. <laughs> Just so we aware that something is still out there that we have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's great, though. I think it's, it's wonderful that you guys have left, you know, something, you know, it's a little bit of Well, I hope it goes residual. with that. Yeah. Well, I hope it goes with that saying that, that we didn't. Giancarlo Esposito has been such a magnificent addition to this series. And actually, I took him aside. I was at in Albuquerque, and we were prepping to do episode eight or nine or something. I don't know when it was. It was a wait. It was months or months before we killed off his character. And I and I took him into my office, just the two of us. And I said, "I got to tell you what's coming." <laughs> and and I I was like I was I was like I was I was it was like I was given some of the world's worst news. I mean, for from my end, not from right. his end, but from my end, I, I felt so tongue tied telling him we were going to kill off his character. I felt guilty. I felt like ashamed. <laughs> but it's a, we, we. He has been such a magnificent addition to this show. Right. Uh, so it we turns don't. Out in season five, they save Gus's brain, and they're building <laughs> a new, all new robot Gus. It's <laughs> really not dead. It's no. like the Terminator. <laughs> but it's like you know, I, I take all the all my cues from the greatest movie ever made. Highlander. <laughs> there, there, there can be only one. <laughs> So. Well, you know what? Let's uh, since we we've, we've kind of talked about the whole, I guess the whole big, you know, clincher for the season. Um, let's go back and talk sort of near the beginning. Um, you actually put your mom in the show this year. My mom pay- played Gus in this episode, <laughs> and she fantastic did a fantastic job. A <laughs> uh, my mom is the is is the ni- the nice lady who lives next door to Walt, who Walt shamelessly uh, endangers. <laughs> Uh, she plays Becky, and Becky Simmons, by the way, uh, that her name is a wonderful lady uh, back in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I gave a shout out. Uh, Becky's uh, Becky's a good friend of my girlfriend Holly, and and I'm friends with her too. Uh, Becky and her husband Kurt, and also uh, Stephanie Doswell, uh, another friend who's uh, ah, she's uh, on the put her name uh, in an earlier episode. She was the realtor who uh, oh yeah yeah who. Uh, who uh, Marie stole the spoon, the, the, the <laughs> memorial spoon, for, commemorative spoon from, and then uh, and then Holly. I got to give a shout out to all three of them now. And then Holly's friend Anita, uh, whose whose uh, 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 last name uh, uh, Ermintrout, or her. It's a long story, but her name Ermintrout is, is we uh, reserve for Mike's last name. You see her last oh. name on the. Uh, I had to give a shout out to all three of these ladies. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike's last name is seen uh, in passing, and uh, we've never heard it before until episode 11. Yeah. But when, when we see the bags of blood right. down in the mash, the little one-man mash uh, hospital down in Mexico. <laughs> but my mom, uh, Gail Gilligan, uh, uh, is in that scene. And uh, the unfortunate thing is uh, the first airing of this episode uh, will have my mom in it, and all subsequent episodes will not have my mom in it but it'll be on the dvd yeah and i'm not kidding it's, it's, <laughs> this episode was three minutes and 14 seconds over long yeah and skip uh who did a hell of a job as always editing it uh we were it was miserably hard for me personally to cut out to cut out the that the last get, cutting getting all the time out was painful but the last three minutes or so was miserable and it finally dawned on us that the best thing to do is to lift out the scene of walt uh, calling up the neighbor lady, getting her to go check out the place. So in subsequent airings, we have to air it two time. So the, hopefully everyone will see the first airing with my mom because that <laughs> scene will be lifted out in subsequent airings. But 
it will then again be permanently available on the DVD in its longer form. So let me ask you this too, because um, uh, you know, your mom goes in the house, and then the, the guys come out of the backyard, and then Walt goes in, and he's going through the crawl space, and then he has to jump the fence and stuff like that. What what about Brian's stunt work? I mean, did, is this Brian or did he do all That's this? Brian, or? he's great. He's just he's a, yeah, he's tough. <laughs> Did he jump the fence and everything? That oh, was yeah. him, right? Oh, yeah. 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 He earned those Emmys. Yeah. yeah, he does. He had the pile on the other side. With the, they're pointy with the wings. When he landed on them. Yeah, that hurts. Just, just to make things tougher on himself. He's a method actor. Now he's, he's, uh, tell him about that shot, the way that works. Yeah, well, the, the shot when uh, Brian crawls out from under the house and runs and jumps over the fence, we've actually used two different takes. Oh, wow. Because the, the take where he kind of just falls over the wall... It took him, he dropped the money, it took him a long time to get to the end, so we took the second take and the first one and combined them together. Cool. And we got really lucky, because I, I don't know how he does it, but he hits the footsteps almost perfectly. <laughs> but then Andrew and Diane had to go in and do a little cleanup work for us. Yeah, but uh, yeah so then we, we take that shot and work with, uh, with visual effects, and we kind of marry them both, and they have to go in frame by frame and kind of paint some things out, you know, kind of add some things, just so it is the perfect blend, so it does feel like one continuous shot. Why did you have to do it? Because we liked the way he went over the wall oh, okay. in the in the other take. Oh, okay. we, in other words, we didn't have to do it, but oh, okay. but uh, we 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 liked we liked the beginning. This is a wonder. What we call is all in mm -hmm. one uninterrupted take, except it's not through the magic of editing right. and through the magic of post production visual effects. It looks like one take, but we like the beginning of one take and we like the end of the other take. So cool. So I gets what I wants. <laughs> no, I don't always, but but it's nice when I do. Um, you know what? I don't think we've ever talked about it before. Let's talk a little bit about Francesca. Francesca has a great scene in this. Yeah, Tina, and the she's awesome. She's really job. really funny, yeah. but she actually has a lot to do. Where she's in a blackmail Walt. You know, this door costs twenty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's great. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the actress that plays Francesca? Tina. Uh, Tina Parker. Tina Parker from Texas. Is she from Al yeah, Albuquerque? She I, comes I think, in from Texas. Yeah, I think she comes in from Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's somebody we found through uh, Kira Rai, our local casting director. Um, and she, it, that was a hard part um, because I think Vince and the writers had a very specific vision in mind for somebody that Saul would be sort of inappropriately lusting after, <laughs> but that wouldn't be your traditional, you know, poster girl. She, you know, I think they wanted her to, you know, really be a very specific look and have an attitude too. And that was, I remember that casting process where um, Vin, Vince looked at maybe, I think like 20 different uh, takes and there was and and he, and he just he kept 20 this, different actresses different different um I'm sorry yeah different actresses on tape uh that Kira had for him and it just we we didn't quite get there and Kira said you know what I have one person I was I, I, I love her as an actress, but like I, she just she I wasn't she's not again like sort of the traditional down the middle voluptuous, um, girl you know secretary type, but you know why don't you take a look? I've been holding her back, but there's something about her. And Vince looked at her and and it's like that's exactly that's, that's oh, exactly great. who I had Tina's in mind. And, and Vince keeps bringing her back. Obviously, you know when when actors come through. They get written to, and the writers, you know, find ways to bring them into the story. And this was a huge uh, scene for her. You know, the weird thing is, I had never met her until I directed her in this episode. Oh, is that right? She's because uh, because I, it just shows how yeah she is lovely, and I, I love Tina, and it just it shows how sadly how how rare it is for me to be out there when you guys are shooting. I'm usually back here in Burbank, and uh, but uh, uh, Tom, all the writers, I think we all love Tina. We all love Francesca. We keep we keep putting her in stuff. It was fun letting her have a big scene, uh, big scene of her own here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I wanted to mention right quick the the photograph of Tuco's. I mean, excuse me, of Tio's family. Where yeah. He's got, he's got the two cousins, yeah. you know, in his arms, and he's got that great. That's a great photo. But that little boy who I'm assuming is playing Tuco. Whose kids are these? And you, you know, know these, oh, who took this photo? And we this photo is we so found funny. them through extras casting. 
um, through Catherine, uh, she, and they they brought in a bunch of kids, and yeah, it is it's Tuco and the cousins. Yeah. So it's young, who, young t- Tuco. who took the photo though? Ursula Coyote. Oh, okay. So our... she has because I think if I remember correctly, you got Tuco and he's got scowling to the camera. It's a yeah. great photo. Vince directed that photo session. Oh, I, you did. I, I did happen to be there. We were there, and it was. Um, <laughs> Was that episode eight or episode ten? Uh, it was during it was the eight. flashback. So you, you weren't directing. That's right, because you were, uh, Michelle was not directing. She was helping me with the photo, uh, and Ursula was taking the pictures. And so it was during the uh, during the shooting of episode eight when we first meet Don Eladio. When Tio's in his flashback makeup. Of course, of course, yeah, of course, it was eight because Tio's not in. Obviously not in. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So so Mark Margolis, who plays Tio, was in his flashback uh, younger makeup. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we put a different shirt on him, and we shot it in a corner of that of that uh, uh, outdoor area uh, within 10 feet of the pool that you see in, in all those scenes. And uh, we had two little boys, two very cute little uh, twin boys who played the cousins, mm-hmm. two little babies who were crying and carrying on a little bit, as little babies do, but they were, they were perfect. And then the, the, the slightly older boy who plays Tuco, and I'm sorry, I apologize, I can't remember his name, but he was a good little actor because I was, as <laughs> Ursula was snapping the pictures, I was kind of directing him. I was like, I was like, look, look mean, okay, look mean, <laughs> don't, don't frown, frown a little bit more. He did a great job. Yeah, he, he was, was the sweet, sweetest was little cute. boy. He was a and sweet I little think, boy. Yeah. yeah, his I think his little brother uh, wants to be an actor, oh, okay. but he got picked to be in this photo. So <laughs> it was a little family. Friction. And uh, Mark uh, was, you know, obviously in character as, as Hector, as T.O. And, uh, you know, the, the, it was fun. It was fun to it was oh, fun it's, to. Yeah, it's shoot. totally cool. I, I That was one where I stopped my DVD player and I had to roll back. Go, oh, my God, that's so cute. Yeah. It was very cute. Yeah. Um, let me uh, ask you about the letter grid, T.O.'s letter grid, where that comes from. And also, I got to say that T.O.'s nurse was incredible. Also. Wasn't she great? Myra. She was really fun. Myra, who plays, I didn't realize until we cast her, uh, although I think this is fun, I think this is a neat uh, detail, but Myra plays Elizabeth Moss's mom on Mad Men. And we love Elizabeth. She's she's such a sweetie and such a fine actress and a great show, Mad Men. And, uh, yeah, Myra plays Lizzie's uh, mom, and uh, is great on that show. And I didn't realize, and I've certainly seen her many times on the show. I've seen every episode she was in. I've seen every episode of Mad Men. But I didn't realize it was her. And she came in and read for us, and she was just really, really funny. So when that grid, because it was funny, when, when we were working on the episodes, I never really, I never saw 13. In fact, I don't think I ever even saw any dailies from 13. Because you know, Skip and I were so busy that I just kept hearing these letters. And I kept, I thought it was a Ouija board. I yeah. couldn't remember. And so last night when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, that's what that is. And it's like... A, row A, A, B, C. So is that a real yeah, thing? Yeah, that's, that's a real thing. Is? Okay. Our prop department made that specific uh, board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if, I guess there's a name for the, what the board is. I mean, it's a communication board, I okay. guess. Uh, I think is what we call it in the script. <laughs> but, I mean, they don't, I don't know that anybody mass markets them. Maybe they do, but but not a clear plastic one. I wanted to be able to shoot through it because okay. I, I saw a lot of obvious opportunities mm-hmm. to shoot you know, through it to see T.O. or to see the person, to see Myra, you know, and, and so uh, our guys created it. But that is, uh, the layout of it, in fact, is the correct layout for, uh, that's, you know, God bless folks who, yeah. that's the way, that that's their sole way of communicating, wow. whether they can blink their eye or or ding a bell or, wow. or, 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 or whatever, so yeah. Um, I also was laughing my butt off because you were like, do you have to make poopy? Do you have oh, yeah. poopy? <laughs> Like, you've got to be kidding. Well, in that moment, as an audience member, like you hate Teal, but you actually kind of feel bad. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And 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 part of it by design is is it, it you know you got to really hate someone to blow yourself up just in order to get them. Yeah. But part of it is, you know, to show that his world is such that for this particular guy checking out is maybe not. The Very worst, the worst thing conceivable. At you least know, he spe- can take. He let, can take this motherfucker with him. If he could take his most <laughs> most hated enemy with him, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's. I guess it's a great time to get to talk to Bill about the prosthetics and everything that was involved in getting, you know, this head of Gus's. Well, right? let's, by the way, what's the title of the episode? 
I don't know. Face off. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. When did you guys decide this? This just, must have just been recently. like the last hour. Yeah, yeah like, uh, <laughs> like a few, like uh, late last week. Really? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. So you're not going to release it, though? Are you going to release? Did you release it or? Yes, I mean it, oh, the okay. folks, the folks listening and watching this will know that it's titled oh, Face okay. Off before. Wow. Yeah. Because wow. I just I love yeah. Nick Cage. What can I say? <laughs> and his movies. No, this is that's a great title. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. That that title came to us. Uh, uh, Susan Goldberg, uh, uh, one of our executives at AMC. What's her official title? I uh, she thinks she's vice president of production at AMC. And she is a character. She's a cutie. <laughs> she's very sweet. And uh, uh, she really should have her own talk show. She is really funny. <laughs> but she came up with the uh, name. But I think she's a little surprised and dismayed that we're using I, I, it. I think she was doing it with a little, I think she was trying to have a little fun with you, but yes. um, you showed her. I showed her. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, though, because. Well, let's talk about how the face-off yeah, was was. I was going to say, because, Bill, did you, you, you did the prosthetics or did. No, no. That, that, was, was, that was Nick, uh, Nick Atero? Yeah, talk, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So it, I, this is a, a, you know, a big effort with production and post-production who brought in, you know, Bill on the visual effects side and and, and K&B, yeah. uh, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger. And those are the guys that do the stuff for Mad Men. I mean, sorry, uh, not Mad Men, but uh, Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. And who did episode one for us, the slitting of the throat, right. who did uh, the ear in episode four. The um, Mike's ear when it gets shot off, or the mm-hmm. at, at tip of it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was, it was absolutely a, a group effort. Um, but we we got every Michelle and Stu and I got everybody on the phone early on to talk about Vince's vision for the scene and how we might achieve that vision. Yeah, because that was early in the game, right? That was really well, really luckily, early. This is there's months of 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 effort went yeah, into this. Back in January, I think. Right, and we, it was it was back in January. You first heard about it. Yeah, that's when you just came in and you said that you wanted to face off somebody. Yes. But you wouldn't explain who it was, and you just wanted me to think about how to pull that off. And at that time, you were still clear that you wanted it to be in one shot. Yes. Without cutting away, and you wanted yes. to have the camera swing around. So yeah, pull the mic over. You, you seemed to have the vision for exactly what you wanted back in January, yeah. and it was just about figuring out that much time to right. uh, figure out how to do the effect. And we finally shot the actual footage uh, that supported it that you worked uh, upon in June. So, yeah, June, there, right. there was quite a – gosh, I didn't realize it was that early that I was talking to you about it. Yeah, it was uh, – we luckily we were blessed on this show in general, that, uh, and may it always be thus, that we have had uh, the lead time we've needed to do the kind of things that we do because, yeah, because I always did want this to be a wonder. In other words, as you see – in the episode, boom, the door blows off in an amazing explosion, uh, amazing example of special effects work, not practical, visual right, effects practical work. Practical visual effects. Practical uh, special effects. Exactly. Uh, Werner uh, uh, and his crew. Uh, what the hell's wrong with it? What's Werner's last name? Heinlein. Werner Heinlein. Uh, was uh, a great guy and his crew. Uh, that door gets blown off its hinges uh, as a practical effect. Uh, with a bunch of air mortars, a bunch of tanks uh, filled with compressed air, at very actually compressed nitrogen. Uh, compressed air would have shown uh, trails of gas as as it rapidly depressurized. Uh, it would have, I guess, little air crystals, uh, little ice crystals would have formed, and you would have seen big, enormous jets of white smoke. So they had to use nitrogen. Uh, they had to fill uh, pure nitrogen. They had to use in these enormous dump tanks uh, filled with co- uh, highly compressed gas, nitrogen, and then they have these rapid dump uh, valves that kick wide open instantly, and they're kicked open by these electrical solenoids, and they use this very high, if you stood in front of it, it would have killed you, and they blow the door off its hinges with, with no gunpowder explosion, but just with pure uh, release of, of compressed gas, and that comes off, and we would only did that one time, and then uh, your job, uh, then your job began. So, yeah. um, right. So uh, again, it was a good combination of all the different departments, and it started off with the special effects explosion, and then um, Howard Berger was on set to do the makeup on on Gus, yeah. so that he pretty much had the after effect look on the uh, on the right side of his face. Right. So you had something to sort of look to when their when your camera came around yes. the shot. And the tricky thing for visual effects, um, 
and we used the sculpture that can be built um, and we scanned it into 3D was to um, when you when you do a practical um, uh, makeup effect it's actually additive you're adding latex yes. to something so you're adding mass to it and the most important thing that you discussed about in, in addition to it being a one shot was that you wanted to remove mass from, yes. from the shots. So, wanted to be able to see inside his right. head. So oh. you, even though the design <laughs> <laughs> and inside of his throat and the yes. nasal and cavity. And his, and his, and his, eye, his eye socket. Right. Yeah. So uh, using the sculpture that can be built, we built that in, we built it in 3D and then tracked it uh, to his performance. Um, so that's how we were able to get shots where you can see inside the throat and inside the eye socket. And then we added secondary animation, which is the jaw moving uh, according to how his head moves, and then with the uh, the optic nerve still trying to move his missing eye inside the eye. That was your idea, and that was that was yeah. nothing I thought of. But when you guys showed me that animation of uh, of 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 his eyeball, what was left of his eye muscles twitching, I was like. Bill is as messed up as I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's some crazy uh, shit. Well, the, the, and the scary thing was, is about like two days after we, you know, we were going to be turning in the final shot. Diane said, "And standards and practices hasn't seen the shot." Oh no! <laughs> like, oh, we didn't know if it was going to get. Did passed. you Did you get yeah. any flags? They were fine. Oh, God bless them. They yeah. They approved without any problem. Oh great! Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, you know, can you talk briefly, maybe Melissa you, or Andrew, you might be able to talk briefly about, because um, uh, uh, Giancarlo had to fly in for them. He had to fly into Los Angeles during shooting. I don't remember when it was, but I remember him being here. Yeah. And he had to fly in. Can you guys uh, talk about Trevor, that? who is actually uh, behind the board over there. Uh, yeah. He uh, brought, I believe he brought Giancarlo over to K&B, uh, where he did a model, which took, about how long did it well, take? A plaster cast of his head. Yeah. Yeah. An hour. Is that all? That's pretty fast. So what they did is they, uh, I, I remember I did this in high school. I actually molded my own head. This is what I did in lieu of actually dating girls and, and you know, <laughs> having a life. But I, uh, they made a plaster cast of his head, and then they uh, did this amazing sculpt where they, they took away the portions of his head that were missing that you see in your final version. And then, uh, and then you, as, so they did this amazing three-dimensional sculpt of his head. And then you guys, yeah, talk. You, how you, what do you do with that? You scan it into the computer? Yeah, we scan it into a computer, and we use something called match moving. We had a bunch of dots on, on Gus's face uh, so that we could track the camera position, also the way he was moving his head. And actually, after we have that information, we can apply the 3D model to the side of his head. And the tricky part was blending in the practical makeup effect, which was on actually on the actor, right. and where it transitions into the uh, CG uh, part. Um, but by creating it all CG, what it allowed us to do is to relight it, to put more light in there than what we probably had on location so that we could see into the eye socket. Ugh. Wow. Yucky. So and, and there were a number of tests that were done uh, at K&B mm -hmm. that were sent over to Vince via video so that you could weigh in on how much yeah how much flesh you wanted removed yeah, yeah. um the shape of it you yeah. know the concavity of it the great concavity th that's a good word <laughs> concavity Nice. The it great is, thing, is. All, all these uh, videos, including like the time lapse of Giancarlo getting his mold and a lot of these uh, pre-visuals uh, we're going to have on the season four DVD and Blu-ray available at all your fine retailers in 2012. <laughs> nice. I want to give a shout out too to Andrew. Uh, Andrew is the reason, the D is the primary reason the DVDs are, the DVD sets, season two, season three, uh, they're getting better with every every year because we give Andrew more and more responsibility over them every year, and that's why they're so good. That's why they have so many, many, many multiple hours worth of extras because Andrew essentially produces these DVD box sets uh, with some help from a lady named Carrie at Sony. Who does a great job, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, so I would I would uh, guess that season four box set will have even more great stuff than season three did. There will, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. There, yeah. there will be plenty, plenty of goodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hours and hours and hours of goodies. <laughs> Which, to me, I mean, as I always say, when I'm at Best Buy or wherever and I pick up a movie I'm thinking about buying, I first thing I do, I think anybody does this with a DVD Is or a Blu-ray. 
Is there nudity? <laughs> exactly. Which there will be. We have Brian's ass. We love yes. Brian's butt. <laughs> but I mean, you turn it over and then it says uh, the list of all the extras. And if there's a big old extra list, I'm most likely going to buy it. And if there's not, I'm thinking, oh, crap, I can rent this. You know? <laughs> so, I, I don't know why everybody wouldn't put extras in. I'm glad we get to. Anyway, yes. whatever. So, and Bill, back to you with the. As amazing as that head is, that what's left of, of Giancarlo's, uh, Gus's head. Did you say the heart, the hardest, maybe the single hardest part was marrying the first take of just the? Because what happened? We shot, right. we shot one take of the of the door blowing off its hinges and the Thomas Kincaid painting, in case you caught it, <laughs> falling down, and and the light and the I light. Know, the, I didn't know oh that. yeah, oh yeah. No, they, luckily uh, Mr. Kincaid let us. Uh, yeah. License that. Yeah. So. Uh, um, and the and the, the the lights break, uh, the overhead fluorescence break, and all that. We did one take of that, and Warner and his guys nailed it. And then we uh, we had to. You were there supervising, uh, and we had to leave as much junk on the floor as possible. But we had to remove some of it because the camera was on a dolly, uh, right. uh, and and it was a nice smooth dolly shot around. And that so that was. So the first take of just the explosion that happens, and then and then I say cut after the after the, the dust is clearing, and now we have to reset. Except we have to leave all that junk. The door itself was in the way of the dolly, so we were like, "Oh crap! There's all this debris. How are we going to dolly over it?" And you moved as much of it uh, as needed to be moved, and then you digitally replaced the debris, and then also you had to digitally marry the smoke from one take to the other because in because in this next take of which we did this next shot of which we did 19 takes we started the camera right where it had left off uh which was was locked down and then we dolly in and and Giancarlo steps out in a profile and we're thinking oh my god he came through what is this guy like is he the terminator and then you realize <laughs> oh no he's dead you know and you see the other half of his face we did 19 takes of that because uh we, we just, there was a certain amount of, we needed the, the actresses in the background to react just right at just the right moment. And we needed, you know, a d piece of de debris in the background uh, to fall just at the right time and all this kind of stuff. And you married those two pieces together. And was that harder than the... Uh... It's, it's always the stuff that's not planned for that's more complex. Because uh, we knew what we are going to be doing with the head. So that was pretty straightforward after right. we'd figured it out. Uh, the difficult part was... Um, um, creating all that, creating all that material that would track with the camera moving, give you proper parallax. So, um, uh, a shout out to you know the team, Steve Fong, and who um, was our compositing supervisor, and Bruce Brandt, who's our 3D supervisor. But there's a lot of there was more work put into marrying the two shots there was, and then into the actually creating the uh, wow. the, the face-off effect. Wow. Just, so, to keep, just to keep it invisible because it's it's matching all the debris and all the damage and everything else that's on the uh, ground, the walls, and on the ceiling and uh, matching the smoke density between those those things. Because so. whatever little bit of curly cue in the smoke is on the A side of the cut, you got to carry it over into the B side digitally, like animate right. the smoke and make it, because it is absolutely flawless the right. way you guys did it. <laughs> well, they exceptionally skilled artists it, it takes a large team to put together a shot like that even though it it plays very relatively simply as a one one is a one take but uh it was like seven visual effects artists putting that together wow shot wow it's a, it's awesome it's just, an incredible you, shot it's it's an, yeah, it's, they did an yeah. amazing job but thank you very much it is an incredible shot and i love it just it's i got the greatest job in the world i just make up crazy stuff I, I wanted I was face to blow off and I want to do it in one take and then I'd go grab a sandwich and everybody else just hustled uh, it's also your conversation was like when you just popped into Diane's office yeah. I'm going to blow off his face and um, I want to do it in one take and then you just left <laughs> <laughs> who is it? discuss what happened? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> I was like yeah but uh and yeah. it was interesting that we came back from production, and that was actually one of the first things you were looking at. Very early on in the post process, you started looking at yeah. at uh, footage and giving notes, and that process went on how long, Andrew? A few months. Months, yeah. yeah. Uh, of the, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was months, like we said, started back in January, but then once production wrapped, it was at least another two months after that, so I'd say all in all six, seven months. Of, of overall planning and then execution it was it was quite the undertaking for a shot that probably only lasts what five ten seconds yeah 
The whole shot, it's actually probably longer than that, the whole shot. But yes, it, it was a lot of work for a, for a relatively very short And that's not even shot. the end of the episode. But that's that's the end of the Act 3. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's but this, yeah. this shot, I feel, will be one of the iconic shots. Yeah. I mean, just like yeah. what Bill and his crew did last year in Episode 12, when um, Walt came in and ran over the two oh, drug yeah. dealers. I mean, that's one of the shots I feel like everyone were, was talking about after the season ended. I feel like this shot... As well, will be one of the one of those shots people will be talking about for, for yeah. quite some time. Well, the, the thing that those two shots have in common was your was your direction that you can't cut away from the visual effects shot. Right. It has to be done in the one take. Yeah. You know the way that Hitchcock used to put visual effects shots together. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's what makes it more complex. But then I also think that's what makes it more organic to the quality of the show as opposed to cutting away for the visual effects shots. Mm -hmm. which, which really isn't done in television. I mean, right. and it's you don't really see that much anywhere. It's always cut, 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 just yeah. to be able to get those effects across. Yeah. Well, it's uh, what bothers me about visual effects shot when it's an obvious visual effects shot because they're changing the structure of how the film's put together. And the, the two things that are organic to this show is the editing, the pace of the show, and uh, also Michael's uh, cinematography. And what you don't want to have do is the uh, have the visual effects dictate how those two things are being done. So we have to adapt our techniques to the style of the show. Well, and I appreciate you guys being so artful about it. And and also, uh, we're lucky again. We're lucky to have the lead time to be able to do these kind of things because most TV shows that do it a different way, a more staccato way, or you know, close up this, close up that. It's they. It's not for lack of, of art or artistry. Very often, it's just. You know, that's the way you have to accomplish it if you don't have the time that, that we have in this case. So we're lucky to have all that lead time. I mean, just skip uh, you picking that. We did 19 takes. I did, and I was driving everybody nuts. I did 19 takes of just the bit of, of Gus walking out in profile and then us coming around. And I'm proud to say at least uh, it was insane to do 19 takes. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't, shouldn't have done any more than six or seven, and even that would have been – on the high end of takes for what we do for a TV show. Yes. But uh, 19 was, was like Kubrickian insane. <laughs> but I, I am proud to say at least um, uh, we did actually use the 19th take. So yes, we did. It, it would have been criminal to have used the take one. <laughs> that, that's right. That's yeah, right. we did use take 19, although we, you and I looked at it for like an hour we trying to figure out. We looked at like three or four different choices for quite a while yeah, we before did. we – finally settled on 19. It was like a showdown. I remember yeah. it was like, yeah. like, okay, let's see number 10 again. Yeah. Okay, 10 versus 19. Okay, 12 versus 19. Yeah. It was. It was like yeah. a cage match. <laughs> takes. Two yeah. takes and And John Carlo, that he was able to deliver in, all, in 19 takes in a Never row. complained once either because yeah. he had to come out with all this shit on his face and then fall down over and over and over <laughs> again, you know, land on his knees, which hurts, you know, even though we had a, a pad for him. under. That was the other thing. They had to slip in a pad as we dollied around so that he could land on his knees and not hurt himself. Uh, wow. A little stunt pad. Yeah, there, there's a lot of choreography going on yeah. just outside the camera just to get yeah. get that shot put together. And one last thing about the shot, we've probably said everything everyone needs to know about it, but it, it's, it's worth talking about because I'm so fascinated. It was such a group effort, and you guys did such – K&B did such a great job with the, uh, with the sculpting uh, and then, and then uh, Werner and his crew did such a great job with the explosion. And Bill, you and your guys did such a great job with the animation and with Marion and all together. One last thing I want to say that you and your guys did, it was a very smooth dolly shot, and you guys turned it into a handheld shot to match the look of our show. Right. So you added, you animated in a handheld sort of a very faint, gentle mm -hmm. handheld look to, to the whole shot after it was all said and done. And the, the one other thing that we sort of put on there is the uh, the icing on the cake was there's a little bit of steam coming off of Gus's head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to look subtle, for it, but, but it's it there. Like something that, like, oh, you got to have, have steam coming off of his head. Yeah. And then oh, and then he falls out of frame, and then there's, like, a leg. There's one leg. Yeah, like, kind of blown up. Like yeah, that was just a old fakey rubber looking leg rubber leg that are but they, they look great from a distance yeah yeah, yeah. That and the torn and up wheelchair the yeah the torn yeah. up wheelchair wow. the, 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 the prop guys did a great job i think it was the prop guys did a great job tearing up that wheelchair <laughs> making it making it look all blown up so uh right quick um because we are running out of we should talk we got to talk about burning up super i late. was gonna say yeah. uh, what about destroying the lab and you know you got so many great shots but you also got that i would like you to talk specifically about that shot of the fire well, I, it's a good segue to say that that shot looks like it was maybe a visual effect 
Uh-huh. That was all completely practical. That looks practical. Good. I'm, I'm glad it does. Because I looks was like, jeez, like, what happened there? Because like I said, I didn't see any of these dailies. So yeah. that whole episode was, you know, great job. Skip, yeah, it looks like the, yours too. I that, that whole episode, I hadn't seen any. <laughs> yeah, great job cutting it. As, as always, uh, that shot, we, we got a Technocrane, which is a German, very expensive, very high-tech, high-performance telescoping crane that cost a whole lot of money. And, and rents for a whole lot of money. And uh, Michelle and Melissa figured out a way to, for us to get it. Uh, and Stu figured out a way for us to afford it and get it. And uh, uh, Werner uh, and his crew put down water uh, as a base, because I guess oil and, obviously oil and water don't mix, and put down water over everything that was going to be burned, and then spritz, spritz it all with white gas. Which I don't know what that is. That's what he told me it was. It's like kerosene or something, I guess. It's some petroleum distillate, and then and the uh, the oil of the white gas floats on top of the water, and the water provides a little steam barrier for so things don't just completely get burned up. Right. And we did like five takes of it, and the techno crane was in uh, where the uh, the little uh, the little wire um, uh, spark gap was, and that that's. That spark gap, exactly as it appeared to be, was what set off the whole thing. It really? wasn't. It wasn't something else. It was when the when it was time to blow it up. Uh, they turned on the juice through that outlet, and and a little spark appeared in that spark gap, uh, and set off the white gas. And then the uh, Andy Vogley operating the techno crane. The remote head. He was not on. He was in another room. Everyone else was in another room. But he, the remote head on the end of the techno crane. The techno crane and our dolly grip jacks pulling back in the. Uh, with the techno crane, you don't actually pull the chassis back. It just you press the button and the whole thing telescopes up. Uh, you know, there was like, a bit of dolly involved too. Okay, some dolly into. And you can move the entire base. Okay. Two different separate pieces. Gotcha. So there's a little bit. There's a little bit of dollying and a little bit of pulling the arm back, but uh, the whole thing catches fire. Of course, we had an Albu- Albuquerque firefighter there. Fire. Uh, and you had a 7D yeah. too. Uh, a camera, camera. Yeah. yeah, one of these, uh, Frank's camera. We did, uh, we had a great, we had, you know, uh, Skip, uh, that was, that was, uh, we got to choose, there was some wonderful footage that we never yeah. even used. We, yeah. we chose ultimately to do that as a wonder with the film camera, but we had other footage that, uh, that was great that done with a little, uh, digital camera, yeah. but we, and it looked great. It, it, it looked great and it cut in well as a sequence, but the wonder was the way to go. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, yeah, but it, yeah, it was it was fun, it, but it was uh, it was all practical, and the place did not burn down or anything. They came in with uh, CO two extinguishers, and we did it take after take, and there was really that's no, our set though. Just that's to our remind set. Everybody, it's not really in the basement of the laundry. It's, and it's yeah, that's and it's, our set. And it's not really made out of concrete. It is flammable uh, wood and paneling and right. whatnot. But it 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 really didn't do hardly any damage at all. And uh, and then uh, before that, uh, getting to chop up the barrels, uh, I think uh, Brian and Aaron had a lot of fun doing that. You know, put the holes in the barrels. With the, with oh the yeah, pickaxe. with the water. Yeah, because yeah, I the like firefighters that. Yeah. yeah, you should talk about the music too. Oh, yeah. cool piece of music there. Yeah, yeah. Want to talk about that? Sure, sure. Our our, our fabulous uh, music supervisor Thomas Gulovich always sends over uh, choices um, after we've we've had a spotting session, uh, in which we'll watch the show. And we'll we'll talk about places where we'll want score or source music, uh, and then what the emotion is and what what style of music. And then Thomas, uh, Dave will write. Dave Porter will write the score for the the parts where there is score, uh, and Thomas Gulovich will will provide music uh, choices for the for the other points. And so we knew this was a, a big moment uh, in the episode. You know, we needed some music, and uh, this song he sent over was, um, was called Freestyle by these two amazing kids. I think they're like 13 and 15 years old. Yes. And and it blew us away. It was just this very cool piece of music and it wasn't what you initially thought would go there, but it's just that's one of the things I think that that Breaking Bad does so well is it uses things, you know, we 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 aren't the norm and this this piece of music just fit perfectly and it's like these these yeah. dueling guitars and yeah. and it just had this great sense of like I think you said like a mariachi or a, a, a matador. Yeah. Uh, that's what it said to me. It was like a mat- matador is leaving the ring after the last bullfight. That's that's what it evoked uh, for me. And and I don't know if you've 
because Tom, you're a you're a guitar player. I mean, I'd want to kill myself after I heard these two guys play. I mean, they're like they, they they're brothers. One is 15 years old. One is 13. They shouldn't even be watching our show. <laughs> they're so young, and they are so they're prodigies. And that amazing flamenco mm-hmm. guitar they're playing, it's uh, acoustic flamenco, I guess, guitar. And they are, they, 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 their band is called Sweet Tooth. And you can find them on YouTube. I don't even know if they have an album out yet, but they are fantastic. They're like wow. scary good, mm-hmm. how good these guys are. Wow. wow. And then we got a great song at the end, uh, uh, Danger Mouse and Danielle Lupi and Nora Jones, a song called Black off of an album called Rome. That's wow. the very last song that plays as uh, we're as uh, Walt is driving down out of the parking deck, and then we're pushing in on the on the Lilies of the Valley. Which That's I a, absolutely love the uh, the air freshener in Gus's car. Yeah, we gotta sell Does it those. Smell like chicken. Yes. It smells like chicken. Smells like chicken. That was a great touch. And we had one other great song. Uh, anyway, we, we, it was a great music, but a great. Uh, uh, Great, uh, as always, uh, uh, music by uh, composed by Dave Porter, and then uh, and then uh, music not composed by Dave, found by Thomas Kolyubich. Great job. Yeah. So I guess before we kind of wrap this up, I, I know I know the answer even before I ask, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, any uh, anything you can give us about uh, what's going to happen next? We got we got sixteen more episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got sixteen more, and then and then it's all, and it's we, all we, we, and then it's all she wrote. But but um, I, you know Walt Walt said a well I don't know what where's Walt at now Walt. Walt's Walt? a dick right now. <laughs> there's, so many, there's so many things that Walt has done to Jesse that Jesse doesn't know about. There was, a, there, was a big, there was a big Hank moment. We had also talked about when we were talking about Ding Boom. There was a big Hank moment. We wanted to put in, and we didn't. For say, <laughs> we saved it for season five. Yeah, we might see that. I'm not gonna say what it is, no. but but uh, we might see that. I mean, and all, know, it ties together. So I, I I really wanted to have it at the end of this episode, but it, it would have been overload. It would have been overload. Oh yeah, <laughs> people's heads, heads would have exploded. exploded. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, this is gonna sound like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. But, I mean, I, I got to point out, yeah, this is going to sound like faint. I don't know. I got to point out, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the kid was not poisoned with actual ricin. It was a little, a little yeah, valley, which is a little, <laughs> you know, near-death experience. But I'm thinking. Pay no attention to this. No, it's it's absolutely <laughs> shameful and reprehensible yeah. that he poisoned a child. But At least he, didn't, he, knew, he, was, he, he knew he probably was not going to die. Yeah, he, he just probably. Gonna, Probably, yeah. most likely. He's going to get very, very But you're sick turning and... him into Scarface. Scarface isn't really a nice guy, is he? Actually, he's, you know, he's going to be on Scarface. Yeah, and as... Scarface shot Mark Margolis for not wanting to blow up kids in the car. That's right. Mark Margolis, our T.O. in Scarface, is the guy that Al Pacino's character shoots rather than let him kill a kid, or two kids in that case. So, Are yeah. you saying Walt is worse than Scarface? I think there's a real solid argument can be made. Although I don't think, also, you saw how relieved he was that the kid was going to live. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some he humanity took a left. Gamble. He took a, you know, and he had to save his family. He had to save his little daughter, and he had to save his son right. and his wife and his brother-in-law. So. And luckily, he? Walt doesn't have a sister. So yes. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think there's. There's got to be some shred of humanity left on him, but we'll see. We'll see uh, what happens in the in the last 16. I, you know, I don't think we know yet. You know, we're we're we're, we're we'll feel our way through it like we always do. Sure, you don't. <laughs> um, uh, need to wrap it up. Uh, uh, thank you, Vince, Bill, nice Melissa, Tom, Skip, Andrew, and also thank to thank you as always to our support crew rpas jen and trevor and business assistant gordon for helping us out and coming in on uh, on the weekends michelle also michelle mclaren michelle's behind the camera back there thank um, you michelle coming thank, in. thank you to everybody <laughs> and thank you for, kelly yes, for a great, you, great, yes, great, great, great podcast so um you know uh wow it's been a really 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 interesting and tough year yeah. i mean it has been kind of a whirlwind this is the first time that i think that you've actually lapped yourself as far as a year you've been working on this ep- this season for longer than 
a year. You're right. <clears throat> and we're, we're like, as I, again, I repeat myself for the second time, but we're, we're lucky to have this kind of lead time because the show would not be uh, as good as it is if we did not have the time in pre-production and in post-production, not to mention production, to, to do the good work we do. So, yeah, this has been like 14 months we've been plugging on this one season. Right. And everybody had to wait, and I appreciate all the fans out there. Obviously, I appreciate everybody out there for watching the show and, and keeping it on the air and being supportive of it and for uh, having uh, patience with us when we were off the air for so long. Uh, I think it was a long time to wait, but I think it, it was – hopefully you'll think it was worth the wait, and I think – you know, having that extra time uh, makes the show better. So up to a point, I would hope. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess we're going to take a break. Don't break too bad, everybody. And uh, we'll see you on the, on the final 16. Right? All right, on. All right. Yeah, thanks, Later. Right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, let's go break bad. But don't break too bad. Stay alive for the next 16. <laughs>